Blog Talk Radio. Let me tell you about something new. A new show called G's Power. G's Power. Real talk for real saints. Are you ready? And it's for real. Welcome to G's Power Hour live every weekday at 1130 a.m. on Never Had It So Good Entertainment Network. Your host, G, will bring you informative and entertaining guests and a variety of topics in a way that you can absorb and enjoy. Listen in weekdays and call in at 516-387-1944. We love interaction. All shows can be downloaded if you miss one or found on iTunes the next day. G's Power Hour is powered by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. Good morning, brothers and sisters, kings and queens, angels and saints, ladies and gentlemen, TGIF. Happy Friday, and welcome back to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. And it's uh, one of our special days here on G's Power Hour. It is Friday in the Garden, and we are pleased and happy to welcome back Robert Bowden, former executive director of Lou Gardens, and now Professor of all things agricultural, I guess you could say, at Blue Gardens and at Valencia. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. Always glad to have you. You know, it makes the end of the week just comfortable and and quite nice and just ready to take on all those fun challenges that we have in our uh, lawns and gardens. So you're very helpful with that. Thanks so much. You bet. Um, we've had a wonderful couple of days. We've had a little bit of rain, and uh, nighttime temperatures are still in the 60s, and this is why we live here, for six weeks in the fall and six weeks in the spring. Amen to that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, and, and you know, especially with so much of this has been going on in other parts of the country with, uh, you know, rain and, and uh, just all kinds of other stuff. I, I saw on the news this morning some places that are getting these massive tornadoes. It's just horrible. Yeah. 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 And um, it's a shame. And uh, it takes a lot of work to cover that up. But um, thankfully, there haven't been uh, many deaths. So it's uh, not a good way to start a show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, let's change let's let's change that around because I do have a question okay. um, with Mother's Day coming up. Um, yeah. One of the things I thought about was, uh, and not just Mother's Day. You know, we're in the wedding season and all the type of stuff. Do you have suggestions about um, drying uh, flowers? You know, and not just flowers, but like you know, herbs and stuff as well for for future use. Do you have any suggestions on that? Sure. Um, uh, where do you start? I mean, there's books written about this, um, so you know, we could we could talk a full hour on um, <laughs> preserving plants. But um, some some first of all, you have to understand that some plants uh, dry better than others. Um, okay. It seems the less complicated they are you know not because you have single flowers and you have double flowers 
and and so on. And the double flowers don't uh, dry very well. Um, and not only are there flowers, but there's shrubs as well. And the flowers on the shrubs you can dry. So first of all, there are plants, um, uh, annuals, flowering plants, uh, that you can grow in the wintertime. And the common name would be straw flowers. Um, and they come in a variety of colors and, and different heights uh, to put in your garden. But um, they, when you touch them, they feel dry. They, they feel like straw. And um, mm. the, those uh, flowers are very, very popular for those people who want to uh, create uh, what we call everlasting bouquets or everlasting flowers. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's very popular. Uh, there's a shrub called um, oak leaf hydrangea. You know the those big mop head hydrangeas that you see in Central Florida around Easter time. Mm-hmm. Those mm-hmm. those are strictly um, florist crops and they don't perform very well in our landscape. But there is a hydrangea, and it's native to Florida. It's called the oak leaf hydrangea because the leaves look like oak leaves. The flowers are, are a flower spike that has, oh, a couple dozen flowers on it. And when it when it blooms, it's white. And then when the petals fall off, the, the uh, bud covers or the calyx are still on the plant, and they turn pink. <clears throat> and... That's a very uh, popular shrub uh, to have not only in your yard, but if you're into everlasting dried bouquets or just dried flowers in general, um, that's one of the really great flowers that you can um, you can harvest from your yard and use. And they'll last um, for more than a year um, because when they dry, they dry. And it's wonderful. Um, you don't have to do any work with them. It's a lot like having um, silk, but without the work, you know. So Mm -hmm. there are, um, you know, those straw flowers uh, are going to be your best bet. You can also um, press flowers. I've seen uh, some incredible um, artwork done with flowers that are pressed, and that's Mm -hmm. a fairly easy thing to do. You simply take a flower and um, put it between two pieces of newspaper, uh, which actually pulls the moisture out of that flower, and then uh, put a heavy weight on it, top and bottom, and give it about two weeks, and then you can gently pull that paper newspaper off, and you have a pressed flower. And I've seen, and you can go online and get this information, um, you can take these dried flowers and actually make dried flower, flat, pressed uh, floral bouquets, and then you you uh, put them in a, a picture frame and hang them in your house. So that that's very popular, and it's very easy to do, um, and it doesn't require any special care or any special products. It's just newspaper and some heavy weight. You can press the flowers that way. So. Um, there are um, straw flowers. There are some shrubs that will dry well. Um, for instance, if you tried to dry a gardenia, it wouldn't work. 
It's too double. Mm. There's too many flowers. There's too much moisture. But uh, straw flowers would work well. And quite honestly, you're, you're going to have to experiment a little bit and see which flowers uh, perform the best for you because the books are going to be written for um, gardens that are, you know, up north, not for Florida. And I don't know of any books written using Florida information um, that's going to be helpful. So it's, I think it's going to be trial and error, quite frankly. Okay. And the reason I was asking was because, like I said, with, you know, Mother's Day coming up or wedding coming up uh, or at any special occasion, maybe to kind of preserve the memory for your loved ones, you might want to uh, look into uh, drying or pressing the, the floral arrangements that were related to these special occasions. And like you said, maybe put them sure. in a frame or a shadow box with some other, you know, relevant uh, things and, and you know, use that as, you know, a present, you know, maybe for the occasion coming up or in the future, you know, but that just yeah. having that. And then as as well, <laughs> I, the other thing I wanted to ask about, not just for the flowers and, you know, the, the drying and the pressing, but also ask about herbs because, you know, there's certain – and my question is when it, when is it better, I guess, to use – a fresh herb versus a dry herb, and which, uh, I guess you could say, herbs are, are easier to, to dry. Um, so can you t- talk a little bit about the herbs? Sure. Um, most uh, Many herbs have um, uh, green leaves and flowers, and um, you simply... Um, gather them up in a, so put five or six stems together, you wrap a string around and you hang them up where it's dry and you have good air circulation and they'll dry very easily that way. Um, Most of your herbs with uh, leaves, unlike um, chives or um, onions, you know, that that sort of thing, they don't, uh, you, you can dry them in a microwave. So you would take lemon balm, for instance, or chamomile or basil, and you could put them in a um, microwave-proof dish and dry them. And depending on how much material you put in there would depend on how long you would dry them for. But like basil, for instance, you could put three or four stems of basil in a, in a bowl and um, dry them, and it would, takes no more than five minutes. Uh, and then you can crumple those up and put them in a jar. Um, and they, they're far, far better than any of the dried herbs you're going to get at the store because who knows how long they've, they've been hanging on the shelf or how long ago uh, those, those products were prepared. So just about any herb, can be dried and used uh, in recipes. Um, just make sure it's a you put them in a, um, a airtight uh, container, a bottle of some sort, uh, and keep them uh, on the shelf. They do have a shelf life of six months to uh, nine months, so uh, it's not like you're going to hold on to them for years and years. But 
Uh, I've experimented with a wide variety of herbs in a microwave, and they all do really well. Uh, I did mention chives, for instance, and I thought, wouldn't it be great if I could dry some chives and put those in a bottle? And so I put them in a microwave, and all I got was a big green glob of of mush. So mm. <laughs> uh, I know the chive doesn't work, but uh, the others that have leaves, uh, they'll dry very well. I think the real secret um, after you dry them is make sure they're in a airtight container like a mason jar or a bottle with a good top on it. You don't need to refrigerate them, um, but there really is nothing like um, fresh dry. I mean, if if you can't get fresh herbs, dried herbs from your garden uh, would be the next best thing. Okay, so then that brings me to something else because one of the things you mentioned was chamomile, and I only I always think about chamomile when it comes to teas, um, right? And I do know that there are other uh, plants out there, flowers out there that are used for tea. Echinacea is one of those. Do you recommend trying to make teas out of some of these? Um, absolutely, absolutely. Okay. And again, you can you can go online to get more information on how to do that. Many of uh-huh. these herbs not only are good for drying, but they're exceptionally good for making flavored oils. Um, I, I I teach a uh, a vegetable garden class at Valencia College, and uh, everybody has to make a presentation on a, a plant family that includes an herb. And the young lady that um, was giving a presentation last week um, had created a variety of oils using um, a lot of herbs from her garden. And the one that that was most remarkable, at least in my mind, was an oil that she had prepared uh, out of olive oil, um, garlic, and basil. And uh, you, what happens is that the oils from those leaves will infuse um, the uh, olive oil, and uh, we we simply use it as a like a um, like a dipping oil uh, prior to dinner. But you can use it any number of ways. And this was only two weeks old, and she used whole garlic and. Uh, leaves of basil, and I have to tell you, it was the most amazing flavor. Uh, use that, um, you know, to to uh, dip your bread in before dinner starts, and a lot of other ways you can use it as well. So that oil is infused with the oils from the herbs, and it's an incredible, uh, fresh, um, uh, lively flavor to them, and they're very easy to do. It doesn't require any special care. You just throw some oil in a bottle and throw some plants in there and experiment, see which works good for you, works best for you. So it's pretty easy to do. Um, And I think most people probably use basil uh, and um, garlic and some other things, but you're really only limited by your imagination, I think. The, The the oil was absolutely incredible, um, and it was very nice for her to bring that in to show people how to do that. Wow, that sounds good. 
So you mentioned, you mentioned, yes, it does. You mentioned also too, which um, I guess I'm, I'm thinking that you're using, let's say, the actual plant or the actual fruit or actual flower. But you mentioned leaves, using the leaves. That yeah. is that that where you get the essence from, mostly. Yeah, those are where those are where the oils are. So if you're okay. using um, basil, for instance, the the stems uh, may have a little, but uh, and this, and what we do is simply um, leave the leaves on the stem and then put it into the bottle and then use the olive oil. Uh, but there's any number of different things that you could use. I'm, I'm not that familiar with uh, using um, infused oil with flowers, but I'm sure mm-hmm. there's information on the web, on the uh, Internet on how to do that and what works best. But mm-hmm. uh, this this stuff that I had was just absolutely incredible. And I want to thank her for bringing that in because now I'm going to I'm going to infuse some oil myself and use it in my my recipes at home. Wow. That sounds pretty good. I have to look into that myself. Yeah. You never We're stop learning. Take... No, you never do ever. We're going to take a quick break. We are here with Robert Bowden of Harry P. Lou Gardens, former executive director of Harry P. Lou Gardens, teaches classes out there now as well as that. And if you have questions or comments, the number is 516-387-1944. G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. We'll be right back. Over the past 60 years, Dove Beauty Bar's superior formula has remained unchanged. But when it comes to beauty, everything changed. Together, we redefined beauty. We said no to stereotypes and yes to every type. We let go of judgments and embraced what makes us unique. We're proud to have been there with you, caring for you every step of the way. Here's to the next 60 years. Having a wedding, reception, family reunion, planning a banquet, or some other fundraising event. Need to share your knowledge through a workshop or seminar or it's a difficult time and you need to plan a wake or repast, let us help. At our gatherings, let us reduce the stress and make the occasion memorable, treasured. Call our gatherings at 407-968-9387 or email ourgatherings at yahoo.com. Let us help plan your special event. Good morning. Welcome back to G's Power Hour. I've never had it so good entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today here with Robert Bowden. Of, and he is giving us advice and tips on uh, – uh, thank you, by, by the way, for giving us the advice and tips on the, the drying and pressing of the flowers. And we have these special occasions coming up and also talking about the herbs and everything. Um, what types of um, – I, you know, bouquets are, are, are nice and everything, uh, and we talked a little bit about trying to preserve some of those flowers, the ones that could be. But what about live plants uh, as gifts? Um, what do you recommend or suggest? Well, first of all, going back to the weddings, um, there was a, yes. an interesting period where uh, people were creating bouquets for weddings uh, made of succulents. Um, I don't, I don't keep up on the the, the trends in weddings, but uh, I know um, uh, there were for many years there were um, 
bouquets that um, either the florist would make or friends of the family would make made out of succulents and then like hens and chicks and uh, other things and they have wonderful colors and and forms and textures and they they were really quite handsome very pretty to look at um, and then after the event you can use those plants and put them in a terrarium or put them in your garden or on a windowsill or a window box and it would give you a um, an everyday reminder of that special event. Uh, I I live in Longwood, and I have a little greenhouse here, and um, I, I would guess that about a quarter of the plants that I have in that greenhouse are plants from special events that um, I, I maintain uh, just as a reminder of you know the friends that um, are associated with that. So, for instance, I have a Christmas cactus that mm-hmm. was my grandmother's mother's. Oh what wow! Is that? Four four generations old. Uh, so mm-hmm. whenever I go in my greenhouse and I see these plants, uh, I said, "Oh yeah, that was my great grandmother's plant." I never met her. But uh, this was hers, and I was I was um, uh, privileged enough to get those plants and have them in my greenhouse. Uh, there are um, live plants that people sometimes send uh, for funerals after the death of someone, and um, those are really quite nice um, because you can take those home and grow them. I have uh, many plants in my greenhouse that were my grandmother's or my mother's from her funeral uh, or my sister's. And it's just a nice, pleasant reminder that, you know, you're not gardening alone, that, you know, your family's there uh, in the greenhouse with you. And we do the same thing outside as well. I, you know, I have two acres and I can, there's a little story about every plant in my garden um, that I could talk about. So um, giving plants um, is a wonderful thing to do. And uh, first of all, it would be helpful to know if the person receiving those has a, uh, um, uh, has a preference for whether it's flowering plants or whether it's uh, um, everlastings like sedums and things like that. Um, you know, they're more into flowering or they're more into foliage. Uh, you know, we live in the foliage capital of the world, um, mm-hmm. up in Apopka, Florida, and there's more houseplants created there than anywhere else on the planet. Wow. And you can imagine the variety of plants. The, you know, there, there are nurseries in Apopka that are yeah. 40 and 50 acres. 40 or 50 acres under glass growing houseplants, and they're shipped all over the world. So, yeah, giving giving plants um, is super easy to do. It would be helpful if you knew, one, um, number one, um, what the skill level of the person receiving that plant would be because some plants yeah. are a little easier to grow than others. And then once you determine um, 
what you know what plants that person particularly likes, then it would be helpful to know whether they have a lot of shade uh, in their house uh, or do they have a lot of windows. Because if you have a lot of windows, you can grow a lot of different things that you can than if you grow them in the shade. And then once you've nailed those two things down, then there's really an a unlimited selection of plant material um, that you could give as gifts. Um, you, you can give them uh, succulents. Or you can give them flowering plants. Um, during this time time of year, you know, a lot of people give um, plants for Easter, let's say, Easter lilies right. and uh, flowering uh, flowering azaleas and things like that. Um, the flowering azaleas and other plants like that are really not intended um, to be plants that you'd want to continue to grow in your house or planted outdoors. It's just simply... Oh. It's just simply um, interior decor. Um, just just like a special occasion flowers. Yeah. It's a, it's, yeah. A, it's a live form of a forest flower. Um, so uh, you, you want to be sure um, that when they know that you're giving them an azalea, for instance, that that azalea, that's what we call a florist azalea, uh, when it's finished, it's finished, and you throw it in the compost pile or throw it in the trash, and then you buy a new one. Um, when you go to the grocery store, you'll see lots and lots of what we call moth orchids, um, Phalaenopsis orchids, and um, mm-hmm. they're very, very easy to grow. You just water them until the water runs out the bottom, and then you put them back in their, in their sleeve, and they do really well. But eventually they're going to stop blooming. Mm-hmm. And most people, you know, they'll try and try and try to get them to bloom again. Um, but unless you have – the bloom is initiated by cold or by heat. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, those plants really don't cost more than 10 or $12. So when they finish blooming, more, more often than not, people just throw them out and start over again because they'll bloom easily for six months. So in that case, you don't consider them – plants that you have to continue to grow it's home decor Mm -hmm. and when you're done with those you simply throw them out and buy another one so that's good to know um, because that could give somebody a complex if they're you know trying to keep a plant alive that there's no intention for that plant to to live past you know the few days or the occasion uh so that's really good to know because that could really that could really give somebody a complex (laughs) <laughs> and, you know, and I know that uh, people may be surprised my irreverence towards trying to keep plants alive, but uh, mm-hmm. there are just some plants, uh, whether they be now, especially they're selling tulips and daffodils mm-hmm. and hyacinth. Um, those are all home decor. Those are not meant to be planted out in the garden after they finish blooming. The azaleas are not. Um, I've had limited success with the Easter lilies coming back year after year after I put them in the ground. But um, keep in mind uh, that these are plants and Mm -hmm. we're not talking, we're not talking about Aunt Mary here. Um, You know, this, this is a plant and once it dies, you throw it out. 
um, and then you start anew. And that's good for the nurseries, and it's good for you to keep your interior spaces um, uh, attractive looking. Um, the other thing you can do, because we're so fortunate that we live here in Florida, um, there are many plants that you get as gifts, as house plants, and things like that. Uh, ficus, for instance, or mm-hmm. uh, any of the many of the house plants. Um, many of these plants can be planted outside in the garden after um, after they get too large or they take up too much space in your house. So many of these things you can take outside and put right into your garden. Uh, ferns, especially, uh, what a what a great place to grow ferns and and uh, the orchids. Any of the orchids uh, you can put in dappled shade and uh, water them when we're not getting any rain. But otherwise, let the rain water them. Um, just hanging from trees or off of um, a patio uh, guardrail, you know, or whatever, um, and just put them outside and they, they'll and they'll rebloom for you. It may take a year or so, but they'll rebloom for you. So, um, yeah, gifts of plants are very nice, and we're fortunate enough in Orlando that these plants can serve a dual purpose. You can enjoy them in the house, and then later on you can plant them outside. I I don't know any other place in the country where you can do that. That is so good to know. Um we're going to take another break. We are here with Robert Bowden. And if you have questions or comments regarding uh, your lawn and garden, the number is 516-387-1944. G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. We'll be right back. Does it appear the long arm of the law is working against you instead of for you? Whom do you call when the boys in blue are pursuing you? When the wrong person behind bars may end up being you? With over 40 years combined legal expertise, Anderson and Welch bring to bear a smart, sound, sensible defense of those caught in what may be the unrelenting grip of the legal system. Turn to Anderson and Welch first to get ahead of trouble, not fall into it by calling 561-832-3386. That's 561-832-3386. That's Anderson and Welch Law Firm online at andersonandwelch.com. Good afternoon. Welcome back to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us this afternoon. Hope you're having a wonderful day and getting ready for a great weekend. And we're here with Robert Bowden to talk about your lawn and garden needs. And the number, if you have questions or comments, it's 516-387-1944. So, uh, Robert, um wanted to talk about... Uh, the types of you can use, let's say, that would make good decor around water features like pools and spas and stuff like that. You know, we're spending a lot more time outdoors, and there's, you know, some of us that have water features in our yards. Do you have any suggestions? I do because okay, um, I have in the corners of my pool area, I have planting spaces 
And when I moved in here 30 years ago, they had planted the wrong plants in there. Um, oh. They, you know, there's, everybody knows what a bird of paradise looks like. Yeah. And, you know, the orange and Love blue those. flowers, they get about they get about four feet tall. They're very attractive. You can grow them mm-hmm. in the ground or you can grow them in a container, and it's very tropical looking. Mm-hmm. Well, whoever planted uh, these spaces before I bought the house, it's a, we were the second owners, they put in the wrong bird of paradise. Um, the one that you wanted to use was the one that was only four feet tall and had orange flowers. The one that this homeowner used were white flowers, and it's not unusual for those plants to get 20 feet tall. So you can wow. imagine the work that I that I have to go through uh, to keep that plant from popping out through the screen um, and continuing to grow. Um, it was a simple mistake not knowing um, how tall ultimately that plant was to become and uh, it was it's uh, sad that that happened but now I'm going to have to somehow take that plant out and put it somewhere else in the in the uh, landscape but to replace it um, it's really a fascinating um, application of design you you want to make the areas near the spas and near the swimming pools look like underwater, like a like a um, like a you know when you're snorkeling you you see these uh, coral reefs and so on. You can actually mm-hmm. create those. You can create those in very small spaces. So there are there's three plants that when you put together. Uh, in some way, um, you're going to say, gosh, that looks just like it's underwater. First of all is a springer eye fern called Meyer. Uh, it's called Myers, M-Y-E-R-S, and it has uh, green plumes on it, for lack of a better term, and they all come from a central point, and uh, these plumes come out from that point, and they get about... 12 to 14 inches high. Uh, And that's just one part of that. And then you want to go with a plant called Sansevieria, or mother-in-law's tongue. And those are tall, uh, usually uh, 18 inches or or so, flat leaves. Some people call it snake plant. Some people call it the mother-in-law's tongue. But uh, more often than not, they're green. But there's all sorts of varieties, green with yellow stripes and green with spots on them. But it's very upright, and that gives you that form that you're looking for. And then the last one is um, the um, cocolumba or the, the sea grape with big, round leaves. And fortunately for us, we can grow those out. All of these can be grown outdoors year-round. So the... Um, the sea grape would go in the back of a planting area, and then uh, the Myers eye and the um, um, uh, the uh, snake plant together. You kind of mix those apart, 
and you put them in the place and you stand back and look at it and you'd swear that you were at a coral reef and you were snorkeling underwater. It's an incredible um, display and you'll immediately you'll feel as though you're under the water and it's really a cool, fun thing. None of those plants require any special care. They grow pretty much on their own. Um, if you live in an area that gets very cold, like, you know, 26 or lower in the wintertime, you're going to have to cover them, but otherwise they'll do very well. Um, all of them will come back as well. So those are the three that that I would use, and you can go to any garden center and pick those three plants up and put them in your uh, in your pool area or by a spa. And you'll be amazed. Um, you're sort of transformed. You're 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 dropped into uh, the coral reef in your own swimming pool. It's pretty cool. Oh, nice! It sounds really good. I'm kind of glad I yeah. asked the question. You know, because yeah. I, I I do like the tropical looking plants. You know, and, and unfortunately, I don't have a water feature. But when I go to that, I actually uh, kind of makes my stay a lot of times when I'm going to a hotel pool that has like the, the tropical setting around with the plants as well as the, the maybe the waterfall or fountain or water features. Um, speaking of which, a lot of uh, places that around this time of year have waterfall or water fountains for to put in your garden areas. Uh, it, do you have any tips for that? Because if you, let's say, for example, I, I have uh, oak trees, so I have a lot of falling leaves and stuff like that. So I, I want to do a water feature, but like a fountain or whatever, but I worry about having to constantly, I guess, do the cleaning or whatever with the, the leaves. So do you have any suggestions? Yeah, the suggestions is uh, whether you, you want the tree or you want the water feature? <laughs> you okay. You, you, really, right. you really can't have both. Uh, ah. Water features generally are not um, difficult to create or difficult to maintain, but um, it's just like having a pool without a screen cover on it. Um, we, I, you know, when I moved down the property, we planted a lot of trees, and they're are a lot of leaves dropping to the ground. Um, that's fine for me because I have a screen around my pool. My next door neighbor, on the other hand, um, when Hurricane Charlie came through, um, damaged his pool covering his screen and decided to take his screen down. And that was okay for him because he has no trees on his property. Mm. So, um, in his case, it was a really good thing to do. He didn't have to maintain the screens, didn't have to pay for someone to repair them, and uh, he doesn't have any trees, and cleaning his pool and keeping it clean is a very easy thing to do. But uh, if you have water features, maybe you've got um, something as simple uh, as a, uh, a an urn of some sort with a pipe coming up through it, and it it spouts out the top of the urn and it goes down into a little, into a hidden, uh, uh, like, I don't know what you call a little pool that's covered 
it's filled with rocks and it's it's just a beautiful feature leaves are going to get in that and it is a constant maintenance headache and if you have lots of trees um there aren't any good solutions for keeping the leaves out except for not having trees i'm sorry to say it all sounds good i I am too (laughs) yeah uh, you don't want to create – I mean, you already have enough work to do in the garden. You don't need to create yeah. one more thing. But if you don't have any trees, water fountains do very well. It's just they do take constant maintenance. I have bird feeders or uh, bird baths in my garden. I have, I don't know, six or seven of them on my two acres. And every other day I'm cleaning them out from the dead leaves and the other things that can get in there. So my animals have fresh water. Um, that's what you have to do. Otherwise, they're just nasty, and um, you won't. You know, birds really like fresh, clear water. And if you if you don't clean them out on a regular basis, they won't come. And so they're strictly a decoration then. But when I'm out in the garden, I see birds in my bird baths all the time, especially recently without. Because we haven't had any rain, they're looking for water. I actually have a hawk that um, takes a bath in my spa from time to time because there's no water anywhere, and he just sits there and ruffles his feathers, and then he flies back out. <laughs> it's a, like a discovery channel in my backyard. <laughs> That's always nice. So it's nice to see see it up close and, and personal, you know. Um, yeah. With with uh, all of the development around here, sometimes we kind of lose uh, access to you know through that you know we used to, we used to have here in Florida on a regular basis. Um, one of the things I used to like about yeah. taking a road trip is to see some of that. We, you know? we live we live in an area where there's lots of trees and we get. Bears, possums, raccoons, armadillos, um, we get the whole nine yards. And just yesterday, I had to live trap a raccoon because he was eating all of my all of my tomatoes in my garden. So um, I put a live trap out for him, and then we took him a couple miles away and let him go in the woods. I don't know if that's legal or not, but um, it's either the raccoon or my tomatoes. And I chose the raccoon. <laughs> okay. Oh, wow. So um, now I guess the other thing that I wanted to ask you about around this time of year is spending a lot of time um, in uh, in our yards and stuff. Just a reminder, uh, you know, we've talked before about citronella and all that type of stuff, and you've mentioned that basically citronella – you're better off, I think you mentioned getting like the oils or candles or whatever versus trying to buy a lot of citronella to keep the mosquitoes away. Is that true, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think it's uh-huh. I think it's a lot to ask of a of a plant. And this is how they market it. You take this and all it is really is a scented leaf geranium. All right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So you put it in the middle of your picnic table, and it's supposed to keep your mosquitoes away. <laughs> well, clearly, um, whoever wrote this 
and was on the marketing team to to describe this plant didn't live in Florida because one little plant on a picnic table is not going to keep the mosquitoes away in Florida. I think that's an awful lot to ask of a plant. And uh-huh. you might, my wife's grandmother uh, used to used to tell me, uh, Robert, you just expect too many things of that plant. And I think that's probably <laughs> the case here. Uh, you know, we want plants to bloom year-round. We want them to be beautiful. We don't want to have to water them or train them. Uh, we don't want to have to fertilize them. We just want them to be beautiful all the time without any work. That's where she came up with the state with the statement, we expect our plants to do too, too many things. And that certainly is true of the citronella plants. It's just a marketing ploy. And one plant does, will not keep mosquitoes away. Maybe in Connecticut or Ohio or somewhere, but not in Florida. You know, when I, I have a, a potting bench outside my garden shed, and if I don't uh, spray some insect uh, control of some sort, um, they swarm. There's got to be 25 or 30 um Mosquitoes that just, you know, all of a sudden they show up. One plant is not going to keep them away. It's just it's right. not going to happen. So, right. um, now on the, save on the other money. hand, though, you, save your money. On the other hand, you mentioned something about something called pennyroyal, which I still have yet to to find. And I'm going to have to. I, you you mentioned about trying to go to Lucas, and I didn't. I, but you also mentioned Apopka being a Florida's capital, so I didn't know if there was any place in yeah. Apopka as well. So, um, but talk about you're, the. You're probably going to have to. You're, yeah, you're going to have to buy it online. Probably, I don't know. I haven't oh, okay. seen any. It's not even in the. There used to be, uh, Penny Royal in the herb garden at Lou, which is a pretty exhaustive collection. Um, but mm-hmm. they don't have Penny Royal either now, so I don't know where it went. Oh wow! But it's it's a it's a um, an herb that stays very flat. The leaves are probably the size of a pencil eraser, and uh, it, it loves to grow, especially in our hot and humid uh, conditions. That loves the water, and uh, you can grab a handful of it and. Uh, put it on your arms and on your neck and so on. And it does, in fact, keep the mosquitoes away. It's a great plant. So oh, wow. that's true. That isn't that isn't something you read in a book and then write it in another book uh, um, and say, oh, well, the citronella works, even though they've never tried it. Um, mm-hmm. The penny royal does work. And it smells very good. It's It, it has a... I don't want to say maybe more like a mint fragrance to it. It's, it's really quite nice, and it does keep the bugs away. Not you know not all day long certainly, but right. uh, for the couple hours that you're out in the garden, it'll work. Yeah, right. Yeah, every little bit helps. So. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, because they're mosquitoes are tough little creatures here in Florida. They'll carry you away. Well, we're going to take our final break. We are talking with Robert Bowden about all things lawn and garden. We're spending Friday in the garden with him. If you have questions or comments, the number is 516-387-1944. G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. We'll be right back. Mm-hmm. 
This is Douglas Dobbs of Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service. We have served the Central Florida community for 29 years with quality funeral and cremation services. Honoring all religions and faiths, we have been here for many grieving families. Whether it's a complete funeral service with a burial or a simple dignified cremation, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service is here for you. Located at 430 North Kirkman Road at the 408 Expressway, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service, 407-578-7720. Dobbs, dedicated to serving our families. Hi, I'm Tim Garrison. Uh, You may know me as Timmy G. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's been two decades, but I want you to know I'm back in the Arkansas. And I've got a mix of music that can help you relax and chill out. It's smooth. It's relaxing. It's chill out jazz. The soulful mix of smooth jazz, soul, and smooth R&B. So join me every Wednesday night, 10 p.m. to midnight on KHAM Radio. Are you chilling? Hi there. Welcome back to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. We are spending our Friday in the garden with Robert Bowden, who teaches classes that you can attend um, at Lou Gardens and at Valencia. And uh, so, and if you have questions for the last few minutes, the number is 516-387-1944. So, uh, I, any um, things that we should be doing in terms of garden prep or you know planting right about now yeah uh, actually there's uh, quite a few things you could be doing right now one is uh, try to keep your tomatoes away from the raccoons <laughs> i don't know i don't know how you do that but the tomatoes are coming coming in now and um, um you just have to protect them in some way i do not recommend any of the plastic netting. I know some people, um, I have peach trees right now, for instance, and they're, I have about 150 different, uh, about 150 um, fruits on the tree right now, and trying to keep the raccoons and the squirrels away is a Herculean task. Um, once they get a taste for it, you can't keep them away. So I use live traps or have a heart traps and I put a little bit of peanut butter on the end of the cage inside, and they just can't resist it. And um, the uh, raccoons, and they have smaller have a heart traps for squirrels as well. And you just take them, you know, a couple miles away and let them go in the woods, and they're fine. So uh, you need to be watching for your um, your four-legged pests right now. Um, you should be getting ready to plant those plants that take the heat. And um, one of those would be, of course, sweet potatoes. And um, you should go to the store. I recommend you go to a organic um, store where they um, sell uh, sweet potatoes that haven't been sprayed with a growth hormone. Nobody wants to eat sweet potatoes with um, leaves coming out of it, you know because it might taste bad. It isn't true, but it's all about appearances. So um, you should uh, take a sweet potato and put it in. I remember you probably did this uh, in elementary school. You put toothpicks in it and put the lower half of the potato in a glass of water, then it starts to sprout. And it's those sprouts that we call slips. And you simply, when they get about six inches long, you simply cut them off 
and put them uh, directly in uh, soil in the garden. Um, and um, about October, you're going to be harvesting them, and then you're going to have sweet potatoes for Thanksgiving. So you should be uh, either growing or looking for um, grown sweet potato slips. I know um, the most common um, grower of vegetables is bonnie plants, and you can get them at all garden centers and home improvement stores. And they actually sell sweet potatoes in packs of six or, or nine, so you don't have to go through all that work anymore. You can just plant them directly in the ground like you do with squash, and then in October you're going to be harvesting them. So, yeah, you should be getting prepared uh, to uh, plant um, your uh, sweet potatoes. Um, It's not too early for okra. Um, We have to wait until the soil gets nice and warm, but it's certainly that you'd be planting um, a variety called Clemson Spineless. And uh, if you like okra as much as I do, you're going to want to plant many, many plants, because once they start producing, you're going to have to harvest those little okra pods every other day. So uh, look for some okra seeds. And, of course, then there's black-eyed peas. And uh, they just love this central Florida weather, hot, humid. You don't need any special soil for it. And uh, they do really well, and you're going to be – up to your elbows in black-eyed peas, but there's nothing like fresh peas out of the garden. And there's, of course, lots of herbs that you can grow in the summertime as well. But those are probably the top three that you're looking for um, in the vegetable garden right now. You should also be looking at um, heat-tolerant plants when you go to the garden center for planting in your yard. The snapdragons, the marigolds, the petunias, uh, they're all going to start pooping out here in just a little bit because it's just going to be so hot. And they get too much rain, and they're they're not going to perform well. So I would recommend, even though they're going to get ready to bloom, and they have been blooming for a while, you're going to have to pull all that stuff out and then put the new plants in and let them get established before the hot weather comes. So when the plant gets ready uh, to ask for water and nutrients, the new plants have been established for two or three weeks, um, and they'll be able to pull all the water that the plant needs. So it seems terrible that you're pulling perfectly good uh, annuals out, but they won't make it through the summer anyway. So pull them out now, put in those heat-tolerant plants, Um, and then you'll have a beautiful garden all summer long. So those are just some things you can be looking for. I would also encourage your listeners to go to Eventbrite on your computer and look for Lou Gardens. And I usually teach five to six classes there um, every month that are are, uh, appropriate for the time that I give them. So um, I just gave a talk. Um, the other night about um, what plants you can grow that don't take much time uh, for busy people, and that was uh, very well attended. Um, I've got another class coming up that's uh, tough plants don't have to be ugly, 
you know how hot and humid it gets, and not all plants are going to be able to survive that. So right. that class is available. You can sign up for those. And then in May, we've got four or five uh, classes that are available as well uh, for new and experienced gardeners. So uh, we go to Eventbrite, uh, Lou Gardens, and look for those classes that I'm teaching there. Okay. Good to know. And I'm sharing the link on the G's Power Hour Facebook page as we speak for some of those classes. So um, anyway. Well, thank you for that. Thank you, Robert. Appreciate your time. <laughs> you have a blessed weekend, and we'll talk again hopefully again next next month, okay? I, I look forward to it. Thank you very much for having me on. Always a pleasure, Robert. You're always welcome here. Thanks. And Bye-bye thank now. you all for listening. Bye-bye. Thank you all for listening. Before we go, I do want to mention one thing. Uh, we had uh, Zephali Lawrence on earlier in the month that was uh, talking, uh, helping us out with kind of the spring cleaning, the decluttering and everything. But she was sharing with me an event that is coming up uh, tomorrow between 9 a.m. and 1 p.m. I just wanted to share it with you. It's the 14th Annual Folk and Urban Art Festival. Um, that's uh, live entertainment. Um, this is in Shady Park in Winter Park. So uh, it's a free event. It's got live entertainment. It's got um, artists and children's activities and some other activities. I did post the uh, uh, poster that she shared with me on the G's Power Hour Facebook page. So you make sure you get a chance. You know, uh, free entertainment is hard to find. <laughs> so I, I would encourage you if you get a chance, you know, if you, you know, just make sure you're drinking a, a lot of water, walking around out in, in the lovely Florida heat. Uh, when you go um, to, to this or any other events, you know, you know you got your farmer's markets this weekend. And I have to reiterate, uh, Chevalier is out this weekend, today. I encourage you to go and support it. It is a good movie. I've been twice already, and each time there was applause at the end of the movie. Uh, um, Kelvin Harrison Jr. is uh, really, really good in this, and there there are other uh, great performances in this movie, and uh, it's based on a true story, so I'm kind of doing some digging, and um, he was uh, a composer, uh, renowned composer, among other things, and during, when, well, during, the, I guess, the French Revolution, a lot of his stuff was destroyed, and so there's a search to try to bring some of his compositions back, and so I strongly encourage you to support this film and uh, do your homework, do your research. Thank you all for listening. This has been G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. Be well, be safe, be blessed, and please remember, all real power comes from God. Take care. Thanks, Princess. Liberté!